0: press record oh wow, it's like frozen or something like that yeah okay awesome it says that the internet is not stable that is okay well, uh, i think as long as it's recording i think it will make it will it'll be okay so Whoa. um <laughs> Be, it feels kind of awkward now that i'm recording and i'm quite a natural speaker so <laughs> anyway so um thank you sophia for coming on to um ed prod, um edtech i'm gonna start with that again <laughs> i feel so nervous okay compose myself i don't want to waste your time you're a busy man
1: no worries nail no, your intro
0: <laughs> okay all right thank you sophia for coming on to edtech product managers um, so I've known Sofiane since 2017, 2018. Not yeah. quite sure the year, but we met at a networking event, didn't we? So yeah. I would like you to kind of just introduce yourself, kind of what's your story in education technology and and so on. Uh,
1: thanks for having me, Nicola. Uh, and yeah, I think yeah, we've, we've met each other at like this UK fast networking event, I believe. Uh, it was about uh, EdTech and- some of the startups we're presenting. Um, and yeah, so I'm I'm Sofiane Bebert. I'm a CTO and co-founder of Dicey Tech. Uh, we're a tech startup based in Manchester. And our core mission is to accelerate the transfer of knowledge from industry into education and from and the transfer of people from education into industry. Uh, we do that by creating learning experiences that are inspired that are inspired from real uh, industry projects and we use 3d printing and open source electronics to bring them to life in the classroom Uh, so for example we have projects where kids learn to design trains cars rockets anything really Um, i guess about me uh, so i was born in paris and grew up in niger Uh, both my parents are nigerian Uh, i don't really know if there's a word for it in english Um, so uh, yeah i grew up in niger I went to school there, and then to, I did. I went. I went to a French school, and uh, in two thousand and eleven, I finished my French baccalaureate And I wanted to uh, go into a country where I could speak English, just to be to, to be totally fluent. Uh, I have a twin brother, and he was going to school. He was, yeah, I do.
0: I would say I never knew that actually.
1: Oh really? I knew yeah, I was a twin. Yeah, I'm a
0: twin. That is new news to me
1: yeah we're not identical though so we look like you could tell we look like brothers uh, but now he probably looks older than he's a bit he's like a tiny bit taller and a tiny bit bigger than me so oh. <laughs> he looks like the older <laughs> brother
0: um so but, yeah. i, I want to ask you like what what made you go into education technology because you you didn't actually do an edu- you like you started this whilst you were at university right you you didn't do anything in education you were more like you were very technical what was that thing where you were like actually i want to go into education technology i see there's a problem um i'm going to create a solution to it and i'm going to make this into a business
1: um it's quite interesting actually because i didn't really i i sort of walked into it it felt natural to me to try and solve education because um i've always been uh, as soon as in my last year of uni uh we worked on a technical project and I essentially got to realize, hi, okay, I have some technical skills I can really use and apply and make some tangible difference. Uh, what would be the thing that I would like to, to try and make an impact in? And I was sort of really attracted by education just because uh, it's, I can't remember it now, I think there's a, is it a Nelson Mandela quote where sort of education is like one of the best way to have the biggest impact possible because you can impact a generation. And the more essentially I dissected it, the more I realized that it came from a bit earlier. Uh, essentially, my mom, she, she went to school uh, at a time where it wasn't necessarily that common for girls to go into school. And she got to a certain point uh, in, a school, uh, in, in school where a lot of time girls are, were taken out of school and it's like, hey, you're going to learn to be a housewife because you're going to be getting married soon. Um, but. She, she was lucky enough that her dad, he was quite, um, I guess, a bit ahead of his time in this sense where he really realized that, no, actually, he, has, he had a lot of girls and he's like, no, actually, I want them to carry on going into school. And he went against a lot of the other family members' opinion. So a lot of their uncles were like, no, like they should be at home and just <laughs> learn to cook and just get married soon. Um, and that essentially just changed her life. Changed her life. She was able to go to uni. Uh, she was able to, to get a really good job. Uh, she now works for UNICEF. Mm. And she's been working for years, uh, for the last 15, 20 years. Uh, she, she's worked um, in the space of. Um, she worked for government at some point, helping women and children. And that got her transition into UNICEF. So she's always really been, have had that mission to like really whatever, what she experienced when she was younger and the, importu- the opportunities unlocked for her, she's been working to try and make it happen for as many people as possible in, in Niger.
0: So is that why you created the product? Well, obviously you have multiple products. Um, I would like us to kind of dive into that eventually as well. But is that why you created, that? that is the reason why you created Dice Tech to unlock the transformative opportunities of education, specifically STEM education and, and making it project-based and um and so on and so forth
1: yeah yeah project-based came because i through my own educational experience projects is where i've sort of felt the most ownership and that really pushed me to learn different subjects just to be able to solve the problems i need need to solve to achieve my goal Uh, so that felt very natural to me now we did have to sort of take it as an assumption and say okay right we think project-based learning is is very much the way of doing it Why is it not done? What are the challenges? And that's what we had to uh, experiment with, uh, talking to teachers, creating content ourselves, delivering project-based learning experience. And essentially what we learned is that pure project-based is very much where you give the students a project and you don't necessarily give them any guidelines. They have to go and do their own research, which works really well for young adults, which As as a university student, uh, I was a young adult, so it's very easy for me to just go and start searching. Uh, But for secondary school or younger students, you kind of need to give them breadcrumbs. uh, And those breadcrumbs will depend whether it depends on uh, how sort of comfortable and confident they are with the topic. Uh, The less confident they are, the more information you need to provide to them and to give them the ability to build the project. Uh, and the project is the way they sort of um, get excited or have that reward of like, hey, I've just made something that work and I can show it to people.
0: So how has that impacted your way of, when you start to design products, um, how has that impacted the way you start designing? Because obviously you said that it's very different, right? um Young adults are very different to, to children. And, you know, I, I have like worked you know with your products and like um use them like when I was teaching as well um and I I did see the difference definitely like with the the older ones they were like okay let's go do this and they're having the best time in their life the younger ones were like Miss, um you know and they did they did do it but yeah definitely there's that kind of the younger students when you're developing a product for them like they are so used to being food spread and, and that, that is not uh, that's a problem with the education system we there's a lot of spoon feeding a lot of kind of like they want the answer and I think what I really like about your product is that it's stretching them it's making them actually go out and actually investigate and become more independent learners and I think that is kind of what we need right now especially with you know the skill gap as, as well as you know schools are not really matching up to the educational um the educational needs of the market and that young adults they need to start having that the you know being independent when it comes to learning searching out their own knowledge and that's the skill that they need to develop especially as they can't really rely in the future on their employer to do that for them they need to go out themselves to develop their own skills so i think definitely like i think it's a good way how you guys go about but i don't want to talk any more. i would like you to kind of be like how has that how does that impact the way that you make products and etc uh
1: yeah i think what you've said about the 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 students having to be able to learn their new skills is the, is the core thing that we're trying to get because most of the, the jobs that those a primary school kid is going, 40% of the job, by the time you finish primary school, by the time you go to uni, most of the job will be new. We've never heard of them. So there's no way uh, someone can actually train you for jobs of the future because we don't know what these would be. So what we really need is give, teach people how to learn and give people the skills that they need to be able to unlearn and relearn new skills. So the way we did that is to come up with a framework uh, that we call Fix Learning. Uh, It's for follow, investigate, create, and share. Uh, So the first one is follow, and that's very much for the younger kids. You know, Just follow instruction, make something very simple. In the process, you learn to use the tools. Uh, You learn a bit about the the area uh, of interest. Uh, Then the second one is investigate. And investigate. The goal here is to tweak certain parameters of the follow of what you built in the follow section, and just that's just to sort of reinforce uh, what you've learned in the in the in the follow section. And the create is okay. Now you have a blend canvas. You have a bit more of a wider problem. You've learned all the tools in the follow and investigate that, that you need to be able to then address this wider challenge, and that's where you kids are pushed to be uh, more. To, to push the envelope essentially. Um, and the last one is share, uh, because we think that the, you only really know that you've learned something if you're able to teach it to someone else. So the share part is a way for you. So in the, cre- in the create part, you make your own project, answering um, like a project brief. Uh, in the share part, the idea is that you can show someone else uh, how to do your project. So you create instruction, you create follow instruction. That's the idea. Now that was sort of our sort of grand idea. Uh, Within it, we have to iterate, we have to tweak things because there's a matter of scale. So you have the fixed framework. Uh, At what scale do you apply it? Do You apply it across just one project, no matter how small that project is. But in that case that can be a bit of a long-winded learning experience and it can take a bit too long to get the reward of finishing uh, or do we sort of spread it across multiple projects across multiple work experiences, uh, across multiple experiences um so that's the very much the part where we are experimenting at the moment is we have this framework that we think is sort of sensible and works that we've seen it work um but it's just about figuring out the granularities of it. Okay, well, how does Investigate look like? How long does it last? Because if you want to deliver in the school, you have timetable constraints. Um, you also need to meet curriculum goals. If it's uh, in the STEM club, it's a lot easier, but there's a lot less time. So you, you only there's only so much you can do in terms of going through the cycle.
0: Yeah. Um, I want to ask you, what is the favorite product um, your team has designed? today, your favorite
1: product? It's oh, quite interesting. The right now we have the intro to rail. I think is definitely like my favorite product. Uh, it's it's very essentially well, I guess I'll describe it. It's a motorway railway network where there's a track, a train and stations. Uh, the track and the train are 3D printed and there's also signaling boxes. Uh, so the so the they're boxes that have Uh, red amber green lights uh, on different parts of the track that let the train go through or stops the train Um, and it's very we've tried we try to make it as realistic as possible Uh, we worked with a swedish uh, design engineer that created the train and the track uh, and then we created the learning experience around it and it's very once you see the model railway network just live it's it's quite impressive and it's, it's pretty it's pretty cool it's one thing that you look like that you look at and you just think oh, i wish i had that when i was a kid <laughs> uh, now it also has its own drawbacks um, and that's because there's a lot of hardware involved in it which means that it's quite difficult for us to scale it and that's one of the that's one of the problems that we are trying to solve at the moment um, and that's i think a big problem across education, especially when it comes to uh, to using projects, is that to make some of the project more engaging, you, it requires a lot of hardware, and that hardware is expensive. And obviously, for schools, it's a massive barrier. Uh, and not even just uh, secondary schools. Um, I think uh, I read a book from the head of learning at MIT, and he he was talking about their most successful course, which is essentially project-based. The students have a project and they have lectures throughout the semester that allow them to learn the skills that they need to uh, make that project. Uh, and he said himself, the only problem with that with that course is that it has to be selective because it's so expensive to run that they can't deliver it to um, a wide range of students on, on campus. Uh, so I think that's definitely one of the problems that we have with our projects is the hardware part of it makes it really really hard to scale so we're trying to find ways of solving we're trying to find ways of solving that problem whether it's by having some touch points that require no little to no hardware to make the entry into it a lot easier uh, or just recently we just we were just uh, bouncing the idea of uh, using virtual word, word virtual environments to, to make that entry.
0: That, that's really good because that takes us on to what do you think is the future of education and obviously with the new developments like metaverse for education or eduverse and like cloud computing what do you think is going to be the future of education and i know that's a massive question um so answer it in any way you want because it's quite a broad question what do you think the future of education is um and what do you think which technology do you think is going to make the most impact so you can take it anywhere you want
1: the, te- the technology i feel like i think what how i see the the future of education i think you'll definitely be blended so you will have that mix of um you will have that mix of virtual space and in-person experiences i think again to 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 what i was saying the virtual space they solve the problem of of hardware and having access to electronics and things like that it just makes it a lot a lot more open it also allow you to experiment a lot more with what works uh, now you do have to balance it out with uh, in sort of in physical activities and I think the physical aspect the main thing that uh, I think could be valuable is for kids to be in contact with professionals or people that are essentially older than them that have gone through it. Um, that's, I think, also very a very, very important part of the learning uh, experience. And I think from a socioeconomical perspective, that's the, one of the biggest barrier, where if you're from a certain background, if you're from a privileged background, just because of the space you're involved in, you get to talk to people that can essentially give you those nuggets of information. Um, Whereas if you're more, if, if you're from a non-privileged background, uh, you don't have access to that. So you only know what's in front of you. Uh, so I think that's also a pretty important part of education. And I'll be curious to see how that is tackled in the future.
0: Yeah, uh, I think definitely, like, being, being a teacher, like, working during COVID-19, you could just see the difference between those, like, of, obviously, like, lending was, like, it was purely online, but some of it, you know, was blended because they would have to go, like, if there was... Uh, case of Covid, they would have to go home. So it was kind of like a mixture during that time. And you could see the students who were from more privileged backgrounds, they had their own like computer, they had their own desktop, they had their own room. So like they could learn um, in, in the most kind of, in the best environment. Whereas those who were, you know, you could tell that maybe they had multiple siblings in the room and, you know, they all had to kind of somehow learn in that environment where it wasn't really conducive to doing so so it's like blended learning it like it provides so many opportunities Um, but also at the same time it's like you know when they go home is that that learning environment actually conducive to them learning will they actually because I did see in this report where they were like in uh, disadvantaged schools that they were going to maybe that they were putting the idea of maybe cutting down the school days to maybe like four days or three days and then have some some lessons some of the time that some of the students have some lessons at home so that the teachers could do a better job and like i could see that but also like because having worked in a really disadvantaged school um i can see that and teachers definitely do need that time to kind of really make good quality lessons and it is really it's, it's really hard working in a disadvantaged school um where you know maybe when it's in special measures Um, But also at the same time, I'm like, realistically, is it actually going to do the students good? Because the learning environment isn't really conducive for it. Um, Yeah, that's my my two cents on that.
1: Yeah, and and I think that's, I think, and for, uh, from an edtech startup perspective, uh, that's why I I think one of the biggest challenges actually in edtech and education is monetization, Mm. because, for, for us, for example, at CI Tech, our goal is that eventually the students they don't have to pay for education. But yeah so that, that's the, the only way you can make sure that everyone can have access to it is by making it free. Uh, but then you, then the problem is okay, who's paying for it? Mm-hmm.
0: Uh,
1: so our, our solution so far has been to uh, talk to companies and say, hey, at the end of the day, you're the one that are going to benefit from the talent of those kids. You're the one that are struggling to recruit, um, you're the one that are feeling the pain of the education system not quite making them, not quite training people, um, educating people the way the way you should. So do you want to put money to solve that problem essentially? Uh, but obviously that's, that has its own challenges where um, you're going to talk to people that they what they want to see is a return on investment on a pretty short term.
0: Mm.
1: Uh, so how do you then uh, educate them or creates that sort of value proposition where yes you get some short-term return on your investment but you are also investing in the future and you will see that you know that pipe that talent pipeline that you're nurturing from secondary school by you know sponsoring intro to rel, uh intro to rail projects you know kids get to learn about the rail industry they get to learn about your company they get to be inspired and by the time they get uh, into a university or through apprenticeships, then they'll consider, they'll know your company. So they'll be like, oh yeah, this is where, this is the place where yeah. I work.
0: Uh, it it is really hard, isn't it? Because it's kind of like, all right, you could have a model where you do a subscription package for parents, but those parents are gonna be rich parents, people from privileged background who know that it's really important. So it's kind of like, you can go and make money that way. and and make a lot of money because you know those parents will be they will, know, pay. they will pay and you know i i do tuition as well as so right like i teach students like because i'm a math teacher so those parents are paying those parents are paying um but a disadvantaged parent is not going to pay so i do do like volunteering as well i volunteered and do tuition as well um so those students get it for free and um, but i also do paid services as well so it's kind of like is it possible that you can have two models at once where one is sponsored and one is subscription-based so that you're you're you you're getting two income streams it's kind of it's really hard because like education is so like how do i say it, it um it's like you it, i think everyone feels like you know how they're like ed, like education is so, like a social good commodity but at the same time if you're doing good work you should be paid for it you know I think if you're doing good work you should be paid and I think that's kind of the same thing that's happening with teachers as well like if you're doing something good you should be paid but teachers are not paid to that to that extent everyone knows that education is, is so key to you know unlocking so many op- opportunities and so many doors especially when it comes to inequality but it feels like no one's willing to pay for it and yeah. then I feel like know that's when the government comes in where the government should really come in and be like okay let's do something radical let's sponsor businesses like you um and to be honest i don't think it's actually radical i think it's just a smart option to do it's the most logical option but i don't know i think with funding and obviously with like taxes and all that stuff like I don't know, is it, this is becoming more political, you know, right now this is becoming, it's becoming more political. But, um, but yeah, I don't know, how do you feel about it? Because I feel like, we, you know, when companies are doing it, they're sponsoring it, I feel like they're taking the role of the government by redistributing resources for the general good of people, and like, that, that should be the government's job, but the government is falling in that, so I don't know, I, I feel like, does it matter who sources it? Does it matter who provides who provides the funding to make this a possibility? Or is the most important thing that this possibility to teach these children these skills is the most important thing? Like, what do you think? And I, yeah. Uh,
1: no, I think you're right. Like, It, it definitely matters who finances it because um, when us developing products, who's paying for it now is going to determine, okay, Sort of what features do they want? What do they want out of it? And because they are paying for it, you have to put a certain amount of priority into that. Um, so yes, it does. Now, whether it's the government of companies, I don't know. I guess I grew up in, a, I grew up in Niger, and I don't know. Not that, I don't know. Not to get too political, but I don't necessarily, I don't. I feel like in Niger, like the government is very present. Yeah. Um, in the economy, they finance a lot of things. But it makes it like it's not conducive to innovation. Uh, it's no. just a lot of interest, and if you do something well, and there's a new government coming up, someone that they know will copy exactly what you do, and the money will go to that person. So it's not. It's yeah. It, it becomes very tainted. Um, so obviously, it's not the same. It's different countries have different contexts. Uh, but I guess that's. I'm just trying to establish my bias here. Yeah. <laughs> Where am I? I don't necessarily want if government helps and funds things great i don't necessarily want to rely on that because governments have their own agendas they have their own uh, timelines what i think is again at the end of the day companies they're the ones that are getting the most value out of a good education system and i can say for me i'll take the example of niger again um and i i'm bringing it up because for me, intimately, my core mission is to build something that I can then do deploy there and like really help. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, my dad was telling me that there's um, the air army, the air force, uh, opened um, 200 seats uh, to recruit, and but you have to go through a test. Uh, and I think um, this, they probably like picked six out of 200 people pa- actually passed the test. Oh, wow. And most, and that just shows that it's like. What, like these people all went to school, they all graduated, they got a baccalaureate, but they can't pass this test. And that just shows that there's a clear disconnect between whatever they're taught in school and-
0: Yeah, school I think I think that works. is so true, there's a disconnect. Like, not to go too down on myself, like I am a maths teacher, but I went straight from, I went straight from university into teaching maths. Now, how do I have industry experience using mathematics I don't so if I'm now going into schools and I'm teaching mathematics like I'm going to teach them the, the same maths I was taught I'm not going to teach them math that is applied to industry now I do try to do that especially like using your products um using your products like I've kind of helped them understand like hey this is how you use it this is how you do that like we've done like with you we've done like computer aided design we've do, we do used python we've done like loads of things so, like, you know, obviously we're trying those, my generation of maths teachers, we are trying to kind of branch out. But ultimately, what we are teaching in the lessons, is it is it industry applied? Because I can tell you in my A-level maths classes, they weren't industry applied. It, was, yes. it wasn't industry applied at all. So it's yeah. kind of like there is gonna be a disconnect. Um, there is gonna be a, a problem because I don't think we've our education system has actually been disrupted. Like disrupted. It it hasn't actually been disrupted. Um and I think the fact that we can, you know, because I remember when I was studying for A levels, the fact that I could go to O level papers and know that it's gonna be a similar thing to <laughs> to my papers. Um, I think there's a problem there. I think you know the education system does need to be disrupted a lot more, and I, I think there are you know there are people who are you know, disrupting it, and um, but I think I think more needs to happen that it reflects reflects the market now, reflects what's happening in the world, um, and I yeah. think teachers are trying, but I think it you know you can teachers can only do so much. You have you know we we can you know, like. I will maybe teach like 150 students, that's more, but there's millions of students in this country. The people that really need to affect change are those in government um, to change the curriculum. I know that it's going to be so annoying to change the curriculum. Oh my gosh, because we really have our slides, we really have our ways. We're going to absolutely hate the government for doing it, but I think it's necessary that we we do have like radical disruption, but obviously giving the teachers uh, enough support to do it. Um, to actually give these students the education that, you know, is conducive for them to go into these new uh, future careers. Um,
1: yeah. I think it's interesting that you've, so we're like definitely on the same train of thought. And I like that you've men- you've linked it to the government. For me, actually, my thought was, yes, I wouldn't expect a teacher to know what happens in the rail industry, how math are using robotics if you've never done any robotics. But that's where for me, the industry comes in. That's where for me, you can connect the companies and say, Hey, it's in your best interest for those kids to be educated because you as a company, you don't know what technology or what you're going to be doing in the future. You need people that are going to be capable of being flexible enough to solve those problems. So it's in your best interest to invest in making sure people that the students are uh, but definitely, uh, definitely, will require also like a change of curriculum so that to yeah. allow that to allow the space for for that for that to happen. Uh, but that's where, for me, I see the value in companies investing in it, um, and I definitely think the government should facilitate it. But I think yes. because the company are the really the ones
0: I, I, think, I, I think like companies should do like education should have like a secondment kind of thing where teachers can go into industry for a little bit, even if it's like one or two years, get experience and come back, like more of like a rotation in and out of education. I think that that would be a lot better. And I think maybe that would help teachers have more of a quality, um, because I feel like a lot of teachers are just dissatisfied with their job. And I think if we had like this comment where teachers go into industry, they understand the the industry, they understand what's going on and then they bring that, that skill, back into education you're getting kind of their skills getting refreshed and by that the students are getting a more refreshed uh more clean clear-cut experience of what is industry like and I think that would really help with like you know like, teachers are already incredibly skilled already but I feel like that would really help with their skills because like I know me myself as a teacher sometimes I'm like I <laughs> think I've done the same thing every day. And I, I feel like if we had that thing of like people, you know, it's more flexible to come in and have some comments and experience different jobs. So you can bring that knowledge back and really help the students. Like, I don't know, someone needs to go and see what the, how that works.
1: Um, <laughs> no, that's, that's an interesting idea, actually.
0: Yeah, that'd be quite cool. But yeah.
1: And it's, yeah, like you mentioned, and it's valuable for the teachers because they get to, yeah, they get to expand on their skills. Um, yeah and I think that's right like most of the teacher that you I don't know the teachers when you think back at your uh, school years the teachers that are going to be the most impactful to you are the ones that have the stories that, yeah. that that you can just be oh really oh wow that's what happens and, um, yeah. yeah definitely
0: yeah I think yeah we I think we need more I think yeah because you can only give what you have right you can't give more than you are So even like when I was doing like the computer aided designs with them, like I wasn't the most skilled in it, and I I knew that for me to be able to kind of teach them to a good level, I needed to go away and do like a lot of practice. And like you know, I remember like doing all the designs and like trying my hardest. And like you know, because I was able to, because I took that step back to kind of learn more about it, I was able to give that to my students as well. So I think it's also like, yeah, we need to, in order to get them, get the students to the best quality. I think the companies also need to think about actually, how do we invest in those who are going to be teaching our our students? Because, you know, how, how, how else are they going to get that? Like I know that the government is trying to, they have this, they're doing this bursary thing where they're trying to get more teachers into learning how to do GCSE computing. But it's like, I don't know, I just feel like it feels kind of problematic because it's like, you're getting them to know the course of how to teach it, but do they have any experience in using it? Yeah. Or do they know how to teach it? Yeah. I feel like that's problematic. I think they need to know how to use it or how to use it in the education setting or how to use it in another setting so they can actually have a really holistic, well-rounded view of, how to
1: use these things rather than just teach it because the
0: students aren't going to get the best deal so yeah yeah no that, that makes thoughts. perfect yeah
1: that's my thoughts on it um, I, as in, again I, i'm linking it to like a project trying to create a project for someone to learn is do, taking a teacher and say okay like what is the task that you feel like is admin that you just have to do repetitively on the computer mm. just, okay you've learned some skills in python can you automate that task it doesn't have they don't have to be successful at it not to necessarily be used but at least they, they get to the experience of hey i've made some code for myself to do something yeah okay i can feel like i, I can teach a kid how to approach like okay you're trying to code something to make something useful i feel like you, you feel like you can coach them rather than okay now i know the theory of
0: <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> you like i know and the theory you, yeah. i can make them pass the test and i think even if like not not to go at language teachers I love my language teachers i have friends who are language teachers but i think when you have an education system where someone who is fluent in their language will do the gcc and get a b and someone who's you know they're not fluent in their language will get an a star it's broken yeah, yeah it's it so broken like are we teaching them theory to pass an exam are we teaching them the skills to actually go away and do it and i think even with like the future of education, like I was in this like state science group for education, and they were talking about having maybe uh, an AI system, like changing, like completely re- revolutionising the way that we do exams, using um, artificial intelligence to kind of um, see how much that student actually knows, and, and pulling, pulling, um, stretching them more more and more and more, and and using that to see actually this is what they know. This is the level the level of skill they actually have rather than someone knowing the exam really well because like exams are pretty much the same every year in my personal opinion you yeah. can learn that exam word for word and then just go away whereas this other system like a vibe, I think it's like a viva like when people do PhD maybe I might be pronouncing it wrong but where they keep on pulling out that information um I think that would be so much um so much better but anyway anyway yeah. i know I've, I've kept you so long do
1: you have any final words and then we'll end the, end the discussion um no like, i think uh thanks again for for having me give me the opportunity uh i don't know i really think education is like the way um you can change a generation and for me everything that i'm doing here uh, i want to take back to niger because i think the education system is failing massively and it just we're, in a, we're a country where 16% of people are under 24, essentially. Yeah. So that's the lot we, we of people- We could
0: go that... even deeper into that, the, the population boom that's happening, happening in Africa, uh, obviously places like Niger, Nigeria, like population boom is happening. And if we don't come in quickly and give these, students, give these young people the opportunity to, do, to learn and actually have fulfilling careers, in my perception, what will happen is a lot of extremism, in in any form, in any form of extremism. Yeah. Because when you don't have a future, you're going to take out that frustration out somewhere. And I think it's like a ticking... It could be a ticking time bomb of positivity or ticking time bomb of negativity. Because, like you said, in in some of these countries, the governments are not taking the education system seriously and also you know even with the teaching as well the quality of teaching is you know and obviously like you know I'm not saying that everyone all the teachers in, in these countries are bad they're not that you know but if they're not given the resources or they're not given the training to be the best how are they gonna give these these children the best? But yeah, that's a whole other discussion. We can have that discussion later on. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. definitely
1: That'll also. be fun. That'll be so yeah.
0: much fun. Um but yeah, I think we're gonna end it here. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, it's really been insightful. It was only meant to be 20 minutes. <laughs> like so it's for 40 minutes now. But no, thank you so much. And uh, thank you to all the people who may listen. <laughs> so yeah. All right then, thank you so much.